You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson. Welcome to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. And today we have a guest by the name of Miss Ashley Edwards. How you doing, Ashley? I'm great, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. So for those who don't know Miss Ashley Edwards, tell us a little bit about you, Ashley. Yeah, so um, again, my name is Ashley. I'm the owner of Property Profits Realty Group. Um, We are a real estate company that uh, practices traditional real estate, buying and selling. But our main focus is on investment real estate, where we assist um, investors that are interested in fixed and flipping properties. Um, We also broker investment loans where there's an investor that's looking for funding to either purchase their property, rehab their property or both. Um, we can assist with getting the funding necessary for the deal. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. So kind of explain to us how you um, got into real estate. So I have always been interested in real estate. Um, and by always, I, 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 I truly do mean that since I was a child, um, I found an interest in it. Um, initially, my plan was to uh, go get my license after graduating from high school, and that way I can buy and sell throughout college. But that didn't happen. Um, I went off to school, and the summer after I graduated, I um, registered for real estate school. So um, I went straight to real estate school immediately after college, and um, it's it's just it's been ongoing since then. Oh wow! So what year was this? If you don't mind that telling. Was- no, I don't mind telling. That was 2000, <laughs> oh, almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So so when you were, um, what gave you the real estate bug? Was it your parents? Was it um, aunt and uncle? Like, give me a little bit about that. Um, I really can't answer that question. I, I didn't have any um, family or friends or anyone around me that was into real estate. Um. I knew that my interest was peaked in it as a child. Um, and, and literally, like I used to, I would wake up on Saturday mornings and watch the local uh, real estate listings come across the TV. And I, that would be my preference over watching cartoons. And I would literally like write some of these listings out, the addresses, the prices, and I would take them to my parents. And I'm like, hey, this is how this house is only $400. Can we get it? And then, <laughs> No, we can't get that. Um, but um, and and that was that we started around four or five years old. Um, and the house that we were living in at the time, uh, my parents had purchased that house when they moved to Georgia uh, back in the eighties, and it was just them when they moved here. So it was a two bedroom, one bath, and it was plenty of house for them. And then you know they had my brother and they had had me and. My brother and I shared a bedroom. Um, we lived in that house until I was like eight or nine years old. And so eventually it got to the point where I'm like, I, I went back to my parents. I'm like, hey, you know, I love my brother and all, but I don't want to be sharing a room with him. Can we please move? And um, that kind of got their wheels flowing in terms of, you know, reaching out to agents and starting a home buying process. And so we ended up moving to the house that they're in now. Um, and again, that was 20 plus years ago. Um, so I, I noticed then that I had a, a interest in it because I, I would also, when they, when they did start the process, 
I would tell them, don't try to look at houses today while I'm in school. Wait till this weekend because I want to come. And they would do that. We would Saturday mornings, that would be our time to go out and look at houses. And I just, I don't, I, I fell in love with it then. Wow. You couldn't do that in this market. If it no. was, <laughs> they'd miss out on a lot of houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So what was, what was your degree at school? Uh, my degree was in business administration with a concentration in hospitality. Um, and at the time when I was picking my major, um, I initially, my plan was to kind of correlate the hospitality and real estate industries. Um, but then after I started working in hospitality and then I had kids, I'm like, this, this industry is not conducive at all to trying to raise kids. Um, and at the time I was working in the hospitality in- industry, I also was kind of doing real estate on the side. It wasn't like my main focus, but I had my license and I was kind of working with clients here and there. Um, but then after I had, after I realized that I just, I could not continue on in hospitality, I went ahead and made the switch to full-time real estate. Gotcha. So, um, another person who we get in, in a, no slight, and just talking about like, we get in school, we get these degrees, then we find out that's not what we want to do. Nope, not at all. And unfortunately, you know, you can't get your money back, but I, I, I do not use my degree now. I, I don't regret going to school because my my college experience was amazing. I don't I don't regret any of that. I had the time of my life. But as far as the degree itself and the debt that I now have from that degree, it just doesn't it doesn't add up. And it's not it's, it's not beneficial to what, you know, the, the career that I'm actually in now. Gotcha. So. When you first get your license um, right out of college, what was your experience like? And when I mean that, what you thought the real estate industry was mm-hmm. compared to what it ended up being? So when I first got my license, um, like I said, I didn't have any friends or family or anyone to turn to and ask questions or you know look to for mentorship or anything. So I was truly just winging it Um, and I was scared. So I spent my first three years being licensed, not selling anything. I only worked with tenant and landlords because I felt like that was, it was a similar process, but it was a lot less risky. Like it's a lot less money on the line. Um, It's it's, it's less of a risk for my client. Um, And that was strictly out of fear. It was because I didn't know, I didn't, real estate school does not prepare you for the real estate market. What real estate school does is help you obtain a license. And and with that, you may come out knowing the, you know, the the laws, uh, maybe certain vocabulary, which you never really use. You know, it doesn't prepare you for a, a transaction. It doesn't prepare you for working with clients. It doesn't prepare you for listing and selling homes. That's the kind of stuff you kind of figure out after you're in it. Okay. So you you get into, uh, I guess, essentially uh, as like a leasing agent. Yeah. 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 I was only working with um, tenants and landlords. And that was, I mean, like I said, for three years, that was all I did. And And really the only reason I transitioned into working on the buyer side because is because three years in, I was ready to purchase myself. 
So I was my first client. So after I went through the process with myself, I'm like, okay, you know, I may be able to get used to this. And and so that's what really helped me make the transition into the, the buying and selling aspect. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you think that you going through the bot the experience as a buyer has helped you help buyers better? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, especially in this market, because when I purchased, it was, we were still kind of recovering from the, the 2008 crash. Um, so the market was still down. There were still a lot of foreclosures and short sales and you know, that kind of thing going on. As a matter of fact, the, the house that I purchased was a short sale. And so I was able to kind of get through that process. Um, and because I was purchasing for myself, I was able to see the buyer side of it, the agent, the, you know, the buyer's agent side of it. Um, I was able to see how closing work. Uh, I think I was able to to see a lot more than I otherwise would have had I only been the agent. Gotcha. Because you get that experience, like you know exactly everything. You, yeah. The lender's talking directly to you. Directly to you, exactly. Yep, because yep. like we can, we can convey the information to you on your realtor side, right? Mm-hmm. But when it's conveyed to you as a buyer, your thought process is different, even though you are a realtor. Exactly. And then in addition to that, the realtor can only explain it to their buyer how they understand it. So if they don't completely understand what the lender shared with them, then, you know, your communication with that buyer is is, is going to be right there. It's not necessarily going to be what the lender's communication was. Right, right. Which kind of goes back to um, some conversations when you have with buyers, like after they speak with their agent. Mm-hmm. Um, if the agent doesn't have a good understanding or in, or is able to, yeah, a good understanding, then mm-hmm. the buyer calls back to us as the lender say, well, my agent said this. And I'm like, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, yeah. I understand. I can understand where that process comes from. Right. But you have to do it the specific way that we tell you because we know what the underwriter wants. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you buy your buyer, you go through the experience, and now you feel like you're ready to help buyers. Yeah. How far how far was your first transaction as a buyer's agent from when you purchased? Um it, it was kind of simultaneously. Okay. So I, once I started the process, I had two other friends that came to me and was like, oh, Brian, um, you can help me, you know, and so we kind of worked simultaneously. Um, as a matter of fact. Um, one of, one of my clients, we may have gotten started maybe, I'll say a month and a half, two months into me starting my process. Um, but his, his transaction was extremely smooth. I mean, we, we found, it didn't take us long to find a house. It didn't take us long to get under contract and it didn't take us long to close. It was just, it was one of those rare situations where everything kind of went as planned. Whereas my transaction was the complete opposite. It was a short sale. We kept having to expand. We probably extended a total of six or seven times before we actually closed. So I ended up closing on him before I closed on myself. But we were kind of working together at the same time. You know, we were both under contract around the same time. Right, right. Um, what was that experience like? For, was that your first? I guess it was your first short sale, right? Mine was my first short sale. Yeah. Right. Got you. So that it's that's a totally different experience than what you guys was going through. Well, it, yeah, it was. But I think because I didn't have I had never done I had never 
purchased before that and I had never worked with a buyer before. I didn't have anything to compare it to. So my perception was that this is what real estate is. Right. So for me, the first the first home I closed on. Well, not the first home. The first contract I received was on a property that had a IRS lien on it. Oh, wow. When I was when I I first became an agent Uh and that while it took a year, nothing else could top it. Meaning yeah. anything that you could go through in a transaction that happened in that transaction. Yeah. So everything else was, I'm not saying it was super easy, but uh-huh. it's, I mean, a week or two, that's fine. But the land, when I say a year, it was a whole calendar year. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Um, Because that, I think in total, my transaction lasted maybe six months. Yeah. It was about six months. And like I said, we went through like six or seven extensions. As a matter of fact, the day that I actually closed, I just happened to call the attorney's office because I'm like, hey, I'm just calling to get an update to see where we are with things. And they're like, oh, you're scheduled to close this afternoon at four o'clock. I'm like, when were y'all going to tell me this? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's crazy because on the short sales at that time, if you didn't hit that date, it had to go back and be approved through the negotiation. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I made every arrangement to be there at four o'clock. I, rem- I remember my closing was probably about 50 minutes from home. That wow. Day. Cool. At, at, at so we <laughs> he was there sitting, waiting, ready to close. Mm-hmm. I sure was. So let's talk about um, you becoming an investor. At what point did you become an investor? Um, that may have been about six years in. Um, I well, I started I started working with investors about six years in. I didn't become an investor to myself till like the following year. Um, and I always wanted to get into investing. I just similar to how I started um, working with buyers and sellers, it was the same way with investors. I was scared and I I was intimidated by I was intimidated by um, by the investment market um, because I didn't know, I didn't have a good understanding of how to facilitate that kind of transaction. Gotcha. So I, I started working with the investor before I became an investor myself. What made you jump into investing? Because there's some people who watch investors, but they yeah. don't actually do it. So I was kind of forced into it. It was a different kind of situation. Um, I was introduced. Um, I was introduced to a lady by her daughter. I knew her daughter. And so her daughter put her mom and I in contact and the mom had, she was an investor years prior, I think like before the crash. And and, um, she went back into corporate America. And at this time she was ready to get back in investing. So the daughter connected us. And when we spoke, I told her, I said, look, I said, I've been in real estate. I said, I'm confident in real estate, but I do not know investing at all. And she was like, okay, that's fine. We can learn learn together. And I'm like, okay, are you sure you trust me? And she was like, yeah, she said, it's fine. And so that was kind of where it started. And then, um, so so we started searching for property. It took a while for us to find something. Um, it may have taken us six or seven months. Um, but then when we found something, we found multiple properties. And they were on two different sides of town. And so she closed on them. And after closing, she was like, hey, you know, obviously I can't be two places at one time. She said, so I'm going to manage this project and I want you to manage this one. And so she put me in con- in contact with all of her contractors, her subs, and everything. And that she that was my baby. She wanted me to treat it as such. And so that property was where I really started to you know learn the ins and outs about investing. Other than you know the communication that we had getting to that point. 
But as far as that hands-on being at the property and, and really seeing a rehab firsthand, it was that property that did it for me. So how did that transaction end? Uh, did it go through smoothly as far as selling um, or? So the closing went through smoothly, yes. So we got closed. Um, we started we started the rehab. Uh, we may have gotten, I'm going to say, 50, 60% into the rehab and she started having problems with her contractors, um, just them not really holding up their end of the deal. And so, but I appreciate that now because had it gone smoothly, I wouldn't have been privy to all the things that could potentially happen with a rehab. And that was just one of those things. That's one of the bulls you kind of got to fight um, on the investment side of real estate. Gotcha. Fast forward to now. Uh, well, not fast forward to now. Once that transaction closed and after you saw um, all the things that you needed to see in the deal from the contractors not living up to their end of the bargain to then it officially closing, Okay. At what point did you say, okay, I want to buy one for myself? It wasn't that it wasn't too much further into that contract. I'm like, I can do this. Um, but to be honest with you, when I started, when I purchased my first investment property, that the intention was not for me to purchase it. The intention was for me to wholesale it because I was trying to, I'm like, okay, I can wholesale a deal much quicker than I can close on a traditional transaction. So let me wholesale something real quick. Let me get some more money up and then I'll I'll look for a property to purchase. Well, the property that I found, um, it was owned by four siblings and it, they had inherited it. Um, and they they had actually grew up in one of the properties. They were selling that one and the one immediately next door. Uh, and it was a package deal. You either buy both or buy neither. And so um, I went to go see it. I went under contract with it. Um, again, my intention was to wholesale it. So I was going to sell that contract off to another investor, but um, I kind of bonded with the sellers. They were, you know, older siblings and just had really good spirits. And we had communicated so much that I, I kind of looked at them like the aunties, you know? And so I felt like I would have been deceptive to them had I not, you know, fulfilled the actual, the actual rehab or the investment. So um, instead of selling the contract off, I'm like, well, let me see if I can find a lender that, you know, that I can go through that um, that can give me the money to do the rehab. And so every, everything else, I just allowed everything else to take its course. And so I ended up closing on it myself. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Did you um, did you already have the down payment saved? No. So I had nothing. I like literally I had nothing. But what I did have was relationships. So I went to different people. I'm like, hey, you know, this has happened a lot quicker than I anticipated. This was my plan, but this is what's actually taking place. Can I borrow $5,000? Can I borrow $10,000? Can I borrow? So I went to several people and asked that. And we wrote up contracts and we signed them. And they trusted me enough to know that they were going to get their money back. So that's how I closed on my first properties. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And everybody got paid back and you yeah. made a profit? Yeah, everybody got paid back. Um, now, the profit... Not so much. I pretty much just broke even, um, but I was thankful that I didn't take a loss. Um, I didn't take a loss. So I, everybody that was due back their money, they got their money back. And, you know, I pretty much walked away with pennies. But, you know, I had a plethora of knowledge that it, you you couldn't put a price tag on that. So, gotcha. So to date, how many properties do you think you flipped? Um, I have flipped four 
Um, I'm working on one right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I essentially I flipped five. So my my first purchase, the short sale, and I know this isn't technically considered a flip, but to me it was because of the condition that it was in when I purchased it and what I had to do to it in order to sell it for what I sold for. So my first purchase, the short sale, that house, it was pretty much, it was, I mean, it was in livable condition, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, but mm-hmm. that house, very much so dated. You could tell that the previous owners, they were, that's all they were doing with living there. So pretty much everything needed to be done except for the system. They did maintain, you know, like the HVAC, the roof, the water heater, all that was maintained, but everything else, I mean, I had to get siding replaced, redo floors, um, paint, uh, carpet, redid the kitchen, it needed appliances, it needed light fixtures, it needed pretty much everything that a traditional flip would need. Um, but I consider that to have been a, a living flip. So including that one, six. Gotcha. And you say you currently have what one or two projects? I'm working on one right now. Okay. Um, I finished up one. Actually, I mean, I'm still kind of working on one. I mean, we, we just kind of tying up some loose ends, but I'm preparing that one for Airbnb. But it's, it's pretty much done. Okay. So tell us what Airbnb is. So Airbnb, it's um, kind of like a short-term rental service where um, I guess if people are traveling, whether it's for work or pleasure, um, instead of um, instead of getting a hotel room, they can rent out either apartments or single family homes or sometimes even individual rooms within these units. Gotcha. So you're back in hospitality. Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like I was forced back into this because uh, the the houses that I'm aiming to do Airbnb with, it, it that wasn't the plan initially. No, it's just, it just kind of happened that way. Gotcha. So do you prefer the realtor hat or the investor hat? Most definitely the investor hat. The investor hat. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you think that if you hadn't become a realtor, you would have been an investor? Yeah, I still would have did it. Um, I, I probably would have gotten a lot more discouraged along the way though. Um, okay. because that that would have discouraged me, I knew not to allow them to because I understood the the, the back end of it. Like I, I understood the process enough to know that these kind of things just happen. You know, it's, it may not it may not have anything to do with you. So do you prefer working with uh, traditional buyers or investors? Investors. Investors. I, I, I love my traditional buyers, don't get me wrong. But um I feel like the investor is, it's a lot, because it's it's, it's not an emotional transaction, it's a lot less hand-holding. Like the investor, the investor client is all about the numbers. Like that's what you start with. There's no emotions in it. It's no, you know, feelings involved. It's no, you know, babysitting. Um, what, I mean, it can be, but um, more often than not, it's it's just a it's a smoother process because um, there's no emotional attachment to the transaction. Gotcha, gotcha. So, in terms of your business, how are you guys the investment side? How are you finding your properties in this market? Uh, as far as me or my investor clients. Either one, both of you. So as far as me, all of all of my deals have literally fell into my lap. Um, I haven't had to do much search. I mean, I've done a little searching, of course, but it's been situations where I knew it was nothing but God. Like this is what was supposed to happen. Um, 
As far as my clients, um, we have found properties in the MLS. We found properties um, through wholesalers. Um, We found properties where somebody just knew that somebody was selling and, you know, we were connected to someone that way. Um, It's been a a good variety. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. In terms of your, the brokerage you're with, I know sometimes it's frowned upon for realtors to work with investors or even be invested, be an investor themselves. Have you had any kickback or anything? No, not in terms of working with investors or being an investor. Now, I did get kickback from the wholesale side. Um, but by the time I knew that that they didn't like that, we were like we were closing like in a few days. Um, and the only reason I found out was because, as a matter of fact, um, when I first got into the investment side, somehow I think maybe I was, I forgot exactly how I was connected with this particular agent, but I, I think we may have connected because she had listed uh, investment property that I had inquired about from a client. Um, and come to find out she was with my brokerage. And so um, when I got into the investment side, she was also working with like other investors, other wholesalers. I didn't know for sure if she would wholesale herself, but I do know that I was introduced to wholesaling through her. And so, and that was three, four years ago. And so this wholesale deal where I found out that my broke that the, that wholesaling was frowned upon by my broker, that was just earlier this year, maybe January or February. And so all this time had gone by and I had no idea that they didn't want wholesaling. I just happened to call the broker one day because we had an issue. And I think I called to ask a question or present a scenario to them. I forgot exactly what it was. And they were like, this is a wholesale deal? I'm like, yeah. They were like, oh, no, we don't allow wholesaling. I'm like, I never knew that. But, and it wasn't so much that they didn't allow it. They just, they, it's, it's such a thin line that you're walking with wholesaling. And so in an effort to protect their agents, they just, they prefer that you not. Um, so it's not necessarily that you couldn't. They just said, make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed because you don't want anything coming back on you. Um, but like I said, that transaction, we were due to close the following week. So we had, they we really didn't have a choice but to close on it. Right, they took the check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> done at that point, so I'm pretty right. sure I'm gonna deny getting paid at that point. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, what are you doing um, to get your investors? Like, um, are you marketing for them, or is it just? people that you met along the way through your investing? Yeah, it's it's that I haven't, um, I don't market for investor clients. It's really just word of mouth, um, being connected with individuals through, you know, other individuals that I know or, um, you know, being out in the field and, you know, connecting with people that way. So where are you looking to grow your uh, investment business? To be honest with you, um, I, I really want to transition into strictly investing. Um, that's not something that I that I talk about often, only because it's not something that I foresee happening in the near future. Um, but ultimately, that's what I want to do. I really, um, I mean, I'll I'll have my license, I'll maintain it, but ultimately, my goal is to transition to full time investing and um, just you know hold a license, but not necessarily use it in terms of working with clients. Which aspect of investing? Fix and flipping. Fix and flipping. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you ever find any deals on the MLS? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, 
I do. Actually, um, my investors that are under contract right now, they they all they all they were all in the MLS. Wow. Yeah, they were all in the MLS. Um, one in particular, now I will say we had to search outside of Atlanta Metro MLS. So that it was it wasn't posted in our MLS, but it is um it's in Georgia. So it was just in a different database because yeah. Atlanta, but yeah, they're all out the MLS. Well, wow, because so, you hear a lot of people say, oh, there's no good deals in MLS. Well, what they mean by that is because the MLS is so public, everybody has access to it. If it's in the MLS, you know, there are people that sit and literally watch the MLS. Like that's what they do, you know, for these investors. So if it's something that hits the MLS and it's actually a good deal, it's going to be gone. And if, it, if it's sitting in the MLS, then it's because it's likely not a good deal. So that's what they mean by that. It's not that nothing good is posted in the MLS. It's just that if it's a good deal, it's not going to last long. So by the time you see it, it's probably going to be gone. Mm. Man, I feel like in this market, you can sell a house made out of toothpicks and paper towels. Um, two of my investors right now, um, I, so we had submitted, uh, this was a wholesale deal. I, I had found a wholesale deal and it, and it actually was a good deal, that, which is highly unlikely and uncommon in this market to find a good wholesale deal, but it was. And, um, we submitted an offer on it, but the, something happened with the wholesaler's contract where, you know, they were under contract with the seller. Something happened with that. And so um, I ended up seeing the house hit the market. Like, I, and I saw it the day that it hit the market. And so I reached out to the agent. I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on with this house? Um, my buyer, we submitted an offer on it just two days ago, but, you know, something happened and I see that it's listed now. And she said that, oh, the, you know, the seller is looking for a really quick sale. And they were actually negotiating an offer that day. So we ended up not getting that house, but she had other houses that she was about to list. And so I said, if you can, please do me a favor. Send me all your deals before you put them in the MLS. And she did that. And so two of my investors now were actually under contract on properties that she sent me. And that was just um, that was just a happenstance that her and I was connected in the first place. Wow. Yeah. And see that and it's crazy because I just had a um conversation with a realtor actually last night at my event and at first there weren't many realtors there and she was trying to figure out why agents don't necessarily network mm -hmm. and um i you know i i had my opinion and she has hers so you know she said she thought you just never know who you're gonna run into kind of like you just said yeah. and, and for me like i think yes you're you may not even be at the same brokerage but it's great to have that relationship for the very reason you just said. Yeah. Hey, when you get some listings, if you can send them to me, because this is what my investors are looking for. And I'm and I'm looking for properties also. Exactly. And when she got it, she says, hey, Ashley, this is what I have. And now you've got two investors on the contract. So without that relationship, you yeah. might have been competing against the other hundred people or whatever to put in offers. Yeah, I would have been because that's what I had been. And then. I have another investor um, that's they're due to close soon too. It, the listing agent on that property just so happened to be the listing agent on a deal that was about to close. That when we went over, when so he, he the the property that he listed 
he had also listed a property months prior and I had a buyer that was under contract on that property and we were set to close in like a couple of weeks. And so when I saw that he had listed that one, I'm like, hey, now, you know, we, we're working through this transaction. You see, we obviously work good together. Let us have in. Um, and that's how they end up getting under contract. <laughs> oh, wow. Seeing that networking and relationships mean a lot. It does. I, I'm a firm believer that relationships are everything. It's, it's everything, especially in this business. I mean, even going back to what I was saying about um, my my first properties that I took, I didn't have any money. You know, I, I was barely making it myself, you know, when I started. But what I did have was strong, positive relationships with people. And, and I've always been a firm believer in maintaining those positive relationships because you never know what bridges you may have to cross again. Right. You're right. You're right. So what do you do any personal development or anything? Like, what do you mean? Like uh, reading, like, listening to audible, audible books or anything um, like I, that? I do listen to audible here and there. Um, that's actually a um, that's actually an area that I'm working on. I am not a reader at all. Um, and I've never been, and I can, I can openly say that and not be embarrassed, but I've come to, I've, I've, I've stopped lying to myself and I've come to grips with the fact that I just don't have to read. Um, I don't, it's so boring to me. Um, but I do like personal development, so I will listen to Audible. Um, I'll listen to podcasts. Um, of, of course, I love conversations like this. I mean, I know this is a podcast, but I have conversations like this in everyday life with people. Um, and I try to connect with people that are either where I'm trying to go or heading in the direction that I'm trying to go in. Um, and I, I take, I, I hold on to bits and pieces of conversations and, you know, however I can, you know, advance or, you know, whatever value that, that I can take from that conversation I take it with. So something that I noticed about you is you're an action taker. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you why I say that. So I met you on Facebook mm-hmm. and you end up coming to my event in 2019. Yep. You listened to um, one of the presenters who told you about going live. Mm-hmm. And I happened to hop on. And this is probably I think you were in your car. You went live that day. Uh-huh. He's like, look, this is un- you were talking. You just like, look, this is uncomfortable to me. But I'm, I was I've just left a conference and they say you need to go live. And then you mm-hmm. went live. So yeah. th- that's crazy because now I see you doing videos and going live on you doing yeah. repairs inside of your um, investment properties. Yeah. Which makes a big deal, which is the other thing. You're very hands on in your projects. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. And I'll How? try I mean, I'll, I'll try anything once. So I did. So I did do that, you know, with the whole live thing. And every now and then I will. But it is it's still to this day very uncomfortable. So um, but I don't want that discomfort to prohibit me from from doing what I know works. And so I will, you know, I'll record videos and, you know, I'll post those because I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's a happy medium between simply posting a picture and going live is recording a video and posting it. So I I do that a lot more often. Um, But yeah, I I don't mind getting involved. And like I said, I'll I'll try just about anything once except crap. I'm not trying to. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it that happened that you just made you decide, okay, let me try to do this. Cause I think I seen that you working on some tiles or something one time. Um, probably like some concrete. Uh, I have, I have worked on tile before, but I, that, um, concrete, um, I went through and changed doorknobs a 
a couple weeks ago just because I didn't want to keep waiting on some have somebody come and do it for me. So I went through and I changed all the doorknobs. Um, I've hung blinds. I mean, I try not to do anything that's that's too skilled. Like skilled labor, I'll try to stay away from that. But something that is like, okay, if I mess it up, I can fix it, then I will. I'll try it. <laughs> cool, cool. So for those who are interested in getting into real estate as an agent, what are a few things, give me like two action items you would tell them to take after they've passed their test? Um, definitely interviewing brokers. That was a mistake that I made. And again, I mean, looking back, hindsight is always 2020. Um, so I, I, I failed to interview brokers because I didn't, I was really winking everything. I didn't know that that was something that I should have done. Um, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, even if you end up in the wrong brokerage, it's an easy fix. You can easily, you know, transfer your license to another brokerage. But um, I think I could have saved myself a lot of time, hassle, and headache if I had simply done that prior to getting my license. Because um, every broker is different. Every broker offers something different. Every split is different. Um, the, the, the education that they offer or the courses that they offer may be different. Um, how they operate or the things that they allow you to do as an agent, all of that varies. And so you kind of want to know what those things are before you get too heavily involved in a brokerage. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's, that's, that's the key too. a lot of people um, get into it because they want to make a lot of money, but it doesn't happen immediately. Yeah, it doesn't. And then, um, You know, you can be, I know, and this is not to throw shade on any particular brokerage, but I feel like, you know, when agents are first licensed, their first mind goes to, let me go to the most well-known broker in my area. And that's not always the best move. As a matter of fact, I can almost bet you that it's never the best move to go to one of these large, well-known brokerages because because they're so large. And nine times out of 10, you're not going to get that one-on-one interaction Um, They may offer, you know, post-license classes or the courses that you need um, after getting, they may offer all of that, but you're going to pay for it. So whereas with one brokerage, you know, offering everything you need, your splits are one thing, you're keeping a lot of more money in your pocket versus going with this well-known broker. Like, yeah, their name is all over my market, but how much money am I keeping? Um, I remember I had a friend, um, this was a few years ago, she had got her license and um, we were having the same conversation. Well, she ends up she ends up going to to one broker and she uh, transfers her license over to one of these major brokerages right before she started with her first client. So she um, she was working with this client and she was on a team. And this house that she was sell that uh, that her buyer was purchased it had to be about four hundred thousand dollars. And if you know anything about real estate commissions, a four hundred dollars four hundred thousand dollars sale is a pretty healthy commission check. And by the time it was said and done, by the time her splits were her broker, her splits were her team, she walked away with two thousand dollars. And when I tell you, she called me crying, and I almost cried for her because I'm like. This was one of the lessons that you had. You just had to learn this lesson. You know, this was nothing that because despite me trying to tell her, like, hey, you may want to reconsider this. Um, despite all of that, you know, she she had to learn that lesson on her own. Shoot. Yeah. Sounded like she just got a referral fee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was she was buku crying on the phone. And I'm like, I can't even I understand. I would be mad, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's emotional. Like, yeah. it, I mean, the whole the whole thing 
is somewhat emotional. You know, the process, um, the decision of making, the choice of which company you go to. Um, I think oftentimes people chase the larger splits. And like you said, you get less, um, you get less interaction. And when you don't know what you're doing, then, yeah, you might get 80 percent of nothing, (laughs) which is nothing. Right. Right. So like when I talk to agents, I always tell them, go for support. And what people don't understand is CE classes aren't support. No, no. They're just trying to get your three hours. Yep, It's (laughs) not. You learn something. Don't not. I don't knock it. You Mm -hmm. learn something in those CE classes. But I've seen agents taking CE class after CE class after CE class, and they're getting some knowledge, but now you have to apply what you learned. Right. Yeah. Because CE is not structured too much different from, you know, your your pre-licensed class, the class that you take to get into real estate. Um, and like I was saying before, that those that doesn't prepare you for a transaction. It doesn't prepare you for the market. Um, yeah, so you you really just going through the motions just to to get through it. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah, that's the same thing on the lending side. And but I because I had been in real estate, I understood that right. um, it wasn't going to teach me how to to get loans. Um, it was enough right. to teach me about RESPA. And trid, which I forgot until I got into a transaction. <laughs> it's like I, I don't think I'm breaking any laws, but yeah, like how many days is it? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody, um, it was something. I just had that conversation with somebody a few days ago um, about trid. They couldn't close because they had the three days. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's but no lender is really abiding by that. Yeah. It's it's. And it's, you know, people, it's counted differently. It's just, so I understand why they put those things in play. But to be honest with you, you, the buyer still isn't getting the final numbers until maybe a day or the day of closing because of the way companies, which was what I've always seen. Yeah, yeah. I had a client who um, we, we closed. But it didn't fund until maybe like three business days later. And in between that time period, even though the the last HUD that I had received, I the the lender apparently hadn't received it. So I sent it over to them. And then like the next day I followed up with them like, hey, is this HUD approved? And they were like, Yeah, well, it didn't fund until like two days prior. And at some point between them confirming that the HUD that I sent them was approved and it actually funding they changed the hood. And so what the buyer ended their fund, because the buyer was getting funds back. And so what they actually got back changed. And now, you know, we had to go through the trying to, you know, rectify the figures at this point. I'm like, this was a simple lack of communication. Like somebody could have said something because now that the, the sellers are, they've gotten their money, you know, they, what if they never respond, you know? Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Actually, this has been uh, very insightful. Um, I, like I said, I'm a definitely a big fan of yours and I watch you, you know, I've watched you progress. Um, and I, you know, I see great things on the horizon for you. Um, and just continue to do what you're doing and be amazing. And for anyone who's interested in potentially becoming a realtor and want to ask you some questions, or if you're an investor or looking to invest, um, how can they get in contact with you? 
So my Instagram is the property profit at the property profit on Instagram. Um, Facebook is property profits realty and profits is P R O P H E T S. I know a lot of people get that confused. Um, and then I can be reached by email property profits realty at gmail.com or myself 404-200-2362. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ashley, I thank you for taking time out to, uh, to talk to us. Welcome back. And I look forward to working with you soon. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at the people's lender. We'll see you here next time on real estate proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.